0: Hey guys, yeah, you see the title um, on the screen? Yes, we are live as uh, live can get. (laughs) Um, Basically, yes, we are live. As I uh, take care of something real quickly here, but yes, we are live to celebrate and talk about ten years of Friendship is Magic, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, which debuted 10 years today on The Hub, now known as Discovery Family. But what's really interesting, though, um, when you think about it, guys, we should be actually saying that uh, we actually, what I'm trying to get at is we should actually be saying that October 1st, nine days ago, was the 12th anniversary of Friendship is Magic. Yeah. The 12th anniversary, because uh, if you go to social media, go to Twitter, and I and I retweeted this, uh, Lauren Faust, to celebrate 10 years of Friendship is Magic, posted something. Uh, basically, it was like a little promo poster, and it had most of the characters as we know them, except for Twilight. Twilight had sort of the, instead of like, the cutie mark she's known for, you know, the star and all that. Um, instead, she had like a moon in, in a star. She was kind of like, I, I guess, the first conceived option for Luna or something, but she had the Luna's cutie mark in a sense uh, instead. And the date on this promo poster was October 1st, 2008. So, yeah, basically over 12 years ago, the idea for Friendship is Magic was conceived. And then about 11 years ago, the first animation test under the working title My Little Pony Adventures uh, was shown. And you can actually find that um, animation test here on YouTube and various other social media and video outlets, um, if you will. You know, you could find that. So, yeah, so yeah, even though 10, even though, even though officially it's the 10th anniversary as to when the show debuted, um, it's actually many, there's actually a couple more anniversaries you could put on top of that. I mean, like I said, this month also marks the 12 year anniversary since the idea was conceived, and then this year, if not this month, maybe I don't know, marks 11 years since the first animation of the characters uh, were were brought to fruition, were brought to life, if you will. And honestly, honestly, that's a lot of celebration right there, (laughs) um, if you will. But yeah, just go on Twitter, look up Lauren Faust, and um, if you're not already um, following her, and you'll see that, again, What I mentioned, like I said, what I mentioned is she basically tweeted out a a thing that says, let me see if I can find it here, because I know I just uh, uploaded it, I think. Yeah, here it is. Lawn Faust uploaded this about seven hours ago. It says, My Little Pony, My Little Pony, a treatment for an animated uh, television series by Lauren Faust. And it has all the characters as you know them. There are a few exceptions. There are a few exceptions. Uh, Pinkie Pie is a Pegasus and Fluttershy is not. So it looks like when we get to G5, if the rumors about certain characters, you know, uh, coming back or being redesigned for the new generation uh, is any if there's any truth to that, uh, basically, then we will get a Pinkie Pie swap with, uh, twi- um, <coughs> excuse me, I, and I don't worry, I don't have the virus or anything. Just got a little thing in my throat, um, but we will have a Pinkie Pie swap of Pegasin, uh with um, Fluttershy and Twilight because Twilight will be. I guess the new Earth Pony instead of Pinky and, you know, Fluttershy would be the new Unicorn instead of Twilight and there you go. Um, yeah, but like I said, the, uh, yeah, but like I said, we got a lot of uh, anniversaries this month, two anniversaries, if not three anniversaries this year uh, when it comes to uh, Friendship is Magic, you know, because of the fact that like I said, it was 12 years ago this month, back on October 1st, when the idea was first conceived. And then uh, basically 10 years ago, the the uh, show uh, became a reality. And then about 11 years ago, the first animation test bef- to make that show a reality uh, was shown. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, just... Uh, just to me quite uh quite a journey in my opinion, when you think about it quite a journey uh, for the show to go through to become to end up becoming one of the pop culture phenomenons uh in recent memory, especially from an animation perspective now, for me, as I've mentioned many times before, when the show first came out, I first heard about it coming out and it debuted uh, from what I have learned from what i've been able to discover. Uh, from any of the well-renowned uh, bronies and Pegasus sisters out there, the analysis, you know, out there, you know, just like them, it took me time to really get into the show. I mean, some of them, it took up to 2,000, it barely took a season. It took a season and a half, maybe two, uh, before they started to give the show a chance. Others, it took a while. Others, it took like a couple of years you know, before they gave it a chance. And for some, it took up until the last seasons, to the final couple of seasons for them to give it a chance and kind of see why this show had been on for so long and why a lot of people, mostly adults, were really into it. And by seeing this, and again, you know, by seeing this, I should say, you know, manifest uh, for many years, not only did some of the fans some new some new fans start getting into it in the last few seasons but the but once they found out that hey you could also binge the earlier seasons on Netflix and all that you know that's exactly what they did and that's why if you go up to somebody that has only been into the fandom or into the show for just the last few years the last few seasons you know, that's why, you know, they're able to kind of give you the rundown of what the show is, who the characters are and, you know, what continuity is, and what the continuity is overall, because they would go back and binge the entire uh, show before, like, say, the seasons they got officially into the show um, happened. So if they got into the show around season seven. They all, all they had to do was binge episodes from season one to six. And that was it. So, yeah, it's basically it's ba- it, it basically this show has that kind of an impact to where it doesn't matter where you jump in, you know, where you jump in, um, so to speak. That once you jump in, you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna know more about it. You're gonna wanna know more about the characters, more about the background, exactly why this is all. Why this became why overall, why it became such a big deal um, in the eyes of a lot of fans, you're going to want to know all that. And, you know, for me, you know, like I said, um, I, you know, like a lot of people like let's say silver quill, for example, I wasn't too initially on board uh, with it. it. It just took me time. It took me a lot of time actually to really get behind it until about a couple years ago when I sat in this very chair and through various Facebook MLP group pages and even here on YouTube, acknowledged that I had become a brony. I had become a fan. And this was like, what, five years, four years, four and a half years after I came on here uh, when I still lived in Patterson, when me and my mom still lived in Patterson. You know, it was what, like, Four years, four and a half years after I did another video saying I'm not a Brony, and uh, which you could still find here on my channel. Uh, but I, in that other, in that video I did, what is it now, eight years ago? I basically said I'm. I basically came out and said, look, I'm not a Brony, but I do respect, you know, what they're doing, with the show, and how far the show has come. Um, at that time, because you know, like a lot of people, I figured. Yeah, the show ain't going to you know last but a couple of seasons, you know, because the original plan, from what I understand from Lauren Faust, was Twilight is to basically reach the goal of making Twilight a princess, and that's it, nothing else. There was no uh, plan for her to succeed, so, well, there was a plan for her to succeed Celestia, but the main goal for Lauren Faust when she came up with the idea was to get Twilight to be a princess. And that was it. And then I guess leave the rest to the imagination or maybe plan, plan out several specials that would uh, basically close, basically for um, bring closure to the original story plans that she had. Now I could be wrong. Now I could be wrong, but you know, like I said, you know, but like I said, that was Lauren Faust's original plan, just for it to go a couple of seasons. I mean, if you look at the various documentaries from the making of the 2017 movie to A Decade of Pony, which came out last year, basically even the people behind behind the series, the creative staff, all kind of felt that all kind of felt the same way that you know they believed the show was not gonna last but maybe a few seasons, and then that was it. And the reason the reason they, along with some fans before they before those fans got into the show themselves, but the reason they, the creative staff themselves, along with several other fans that, like I said, later on, got into the fandom, got into the show itself, uh, believed that the show may not last too long, is it was kind of the norm when it came to my little pony. I mean, you look at G3 and G3 was just sporadical it just was like you know all you had was like made for television uh, made for you know direct. all you had was like direct to VHS direct to DVD uh, videos, movies um, direct to television specials, stuff like that it was just all over the place and they had no real connection to each other and they didn't last that long, it was barely I, I think what did they get out of it like two, three movies and a couple of specials and what was that, like six altogether, six or seven, and that was it. And then, you, and then they tried to go down the route of turning the characters into babies and, then, and that blew up in their face. You know, that blew up in their face. Uh, but another indication as to why a lot of folks, not just the fans that later on got into the show, but even the creative staff, felt that the series may not last long was you know the other previous versions of of the show or of the franchise uh, that came before even G3 you know my little Ponytails and the original G1 series they didn't last too long you know you know they, they didn't last very long um, when it came to being on the air they only lasted a season or so and or a season and a half when it came to G1 and that was it the show was done. It was, you know, time to move on, you know, and, you know, just let My Little Pony continue in reruns. But, you know, they didn't do that. You know, they, they didn't do that. Instead, like I said, you know, they, they didn't do that. You know, instead. Okay, well, well, okay. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. I was typing something there. Hold on, sorry about that. Um. Okay. There well, you go. But like I said, instead, um. What what was I saying? Oh yeah, the reason. Again, getting back to us, I lost my train of thought. There, though. I do apologize. Uh <laughs> it's it's uh seven forty seven at night, so you know what are you gonna do? Uh but like I said, um the reason they believed that is because that was kind of the norm at the time when it came to a show like My Little Pony or any interpretation of My Little Pony. And that was it would just be a season or so and that's it, and then you just let it go off in reruns and, and go from there. But when it came to generation four, that wasn't the case. I mean, yes, that was the belief, like, okay, we'll probably do a season or two or three, and that's it. Go on, whatever. And then, you know, kind of go off on its own. You know, I'll basically uh, end it and let it go off onto reruns and, you know, go from there and, you know, focus on the next installment of MLP. But apparently they had had no clue, honestly, that the fandom was going to become what it was. They had no idea at that time that the fandom was going to take off and become the phenomenon uh, that it did. So, you know, that's why when, you know, we ended up uh, basically... What was it? Sorry about that. I just uh, almost messed up something there. I do apologize. But, you know, again... Obviously, that was what they were planning for—just to go a couple of seasons, you know, get to that point of, you know, reach the goal of making Twilight a princess, and and then go from there. You know, they had no idea that the fandom was going to become what it was. That's what I was trying to get at. You know, they had no idea the fandom was going to, you know, become what it was. They had no idea that the fan, you know, that part of that fandom, if not a major part of that fandom, was going to consist of adults of men and women that. Grew up in the 80s, grew up in the 70s, grew up in the 90s, and were like, hey, this show, this version of MLP, it appeals to us. We like it. And I think the main reason a lot of people got behind it was the fact that Lauren is the fact that you had this creative staff trying to follow through on what Lauren Faust wanted. Even though Lauren Faust left after the, after the second season, they were still trying to follow through on what she wanted. And that's making the show you know not just for little girls um if you will but to make the show but to make the show for everybody for the entire family uh, again though i just don't think they expected the fandom they were going to get out of it because there were some moments even the or even in the earlier seasons there were some moments and you know references and whatever that would go over the head of the original original intended audience, and only the adults, the grownups, would catch that reference or that moment. So, um, so yeah, it was like, well, be right back. Sorry, guys, I was just checking something. Uh, But anyway, like I said, I don't think they had any clue, in my opinion. They they didn't have any clue that the fandom was going to become what it was. The fandom was going to be, you know, the adults, basically. The adults themselves were going to be like the main focal point of the fandom and, and not the original intended audience that they had in mind, which were the kids. The kids, like I said, were the original intended audience. And like I said, they had no idea that the grownups were going to overshadow them. Because like I said, even in the earlier seasons, like in the first couple of seasons, there were a lot of moments that went over the heads of the young kids, but not over the heads of the adults. And I think that's why the adults um, were attracted to it, you know, the the way they were. They were attracted to it. In a way that I think even uh, surprised uh, the creators you know, the overall creative staff behind the show. You know, it surprised them. They were like, uh, "I think, I think even themselves, even the, even they themselves said they were caught off guard." You know, even they themselves said they were caught off guard. And the biggest, and the biggest example of you finding out that they were caught off guard. Uh, I think it was Ashley Ball. I think it was Ashley Ball and Andrea Limbrin. They did, there were like a couple of documentaries that came out because of what was going on. And one of them was focusing on, I think it was Ashley, I believe. And she even said that she was surprised by the adult fandom that she encountered at some of the conventions. Like when she was first invited to one of the first brony conventions um, in the Northeast she was caught off guard by the amount of adult fans that were um, happy to see her, you know, happy to see uh, the voice of Applejack and Rainbow Dash, you know, you know, be there, you know, they were kind of like, wait a minute, whoa, Um, you know, I mean, not them, but she, you know, she was kind of like caught off guard by the fact that, you know, she, the voice of Applejack, was, you know, surprised by the welcoming, by the, uh, what's the one I'm looking for? By the acceptance of this majority crowd of adult males and females. It's like she couldn't believe it. You know, it's like, you know, she couldn't believe it at first. It's like, because, because think about it. Put yourself, put yourself in, in a, her shoes. Put yourself in Andrea Lindgren, and, and Well, both of those shoes. Put the, put yourself in the shoes of Ashley Ball, Andrea Lindgren, and all the voice actresses and actors. And you got to think to yourself, wait a minute. I'm at a convention that was created because of this show and the main people I'm talking to are adult males and females that like the show, like the characters, you know, you got to be thinking to yourself, what is going on here? <laughs> you know, you know, again, you got to be thinking to yourself, you know, what is going on? This is, this is like not normal <laughs> if you will. You know, and it's, that's basically the truth. It's not, you know, it's not really normal when, when you think about it, because, you know, because, again, if somebody were to told, if somebody were to told, think about it, put, put yourself, again, put yourself in the shoes of the creative staff. Put yourself in the shoes of the creative staff, as the createness Put yourself in the shoes of Lauren Faust. If somebody would have told Lauren Faust that what she was about to create would attract uh an enormous amount of adult fans to the show and basically by attracting these adult fans um, you know cause such a uprising in popularity for a show originally meant for little kids, little girls, you would think something was wrong too. But apparently there was something there. There was something there with this show that when Lauren Faust came up with the idea to go the direction she did. And then basically those that came after her, like Megan McCarthy, Nicole Dubuque, Josh Haber, Jim Miller, you know, what have you, uh, decided to take the show. Oh, um, in the same direction, but into dif- but through different paths going towards that direction. You know, if you would have said something to her and even them at the time the show was being conceived, she and they would have not believed you. They would have been like, nah, the adults won't. No, there won't be a no adult fans. And, and the show's only going to probably last a few seasons and that's it. And once it's done, it's done. But again, that wasn't the case. That was not the case because, you know, the show, how do I put this? The show became something that even I, as a fan, an eventual fan, could not believe. Because like I said, going back to that video I did in 2012, that's when the show started to really pick up steam a little bit and become something that even I couldn't explain But even I still tried to distance myself a little bit from by saying, look, I'm not a brony, but I do respect, you know, what they're doing with the show or what the show and the people behind it are trying to do. So, you know, I respected that. I I respected that. Uh, But over time, I don't over time, it just started to win me over. I started hearing more about people about my age. Like I told my mom this morning, she you know she was curious because she saw two of my figurines, my Guardians of Harmony figurines on my uh, on uh, on top of my record on the top of my uh, record player, my vinyl player I should say. It got a, it's one of those costly uh, one of those vinyl players carry it's one of the carry on vinyl players that you can uh, carry anywhere you want. Uh, but she asked me basically you know, what kind of people, you know, she just kind of asked me, you know, what other kind of people are into this? And I, and I told her, honestly, I said, first of all, I told her it's the 10th anniversary. I told her it was 10 years. And then again, she asked me, well, what kind of people are into this? And I told her, excuse me, I told her there were people of my age, a bit younger, a little older that were into the show. And that's still, I mean, even though she knew about it in a sense, this is the truth. She knew about the show because of the parents, because of the kids she works with and the parents that she deals with, or well, what said kids at her job. But she didn't know the full context, I think, of the fact of, yeah, this show, it's got a bigger fan base and following than you can imagine. And it's not primarily kids. So it kind of so took her off. It t- kind of took her by surprise. eyes uh, even almost 10 years after the show debuted. Yeah, it took her took her by surprise and I'm and you know what's funny she's not the only one I remember watching one, uh, one of uh, Josh Gorcher aka Firebrands uh, videos he did I think it was a video where he talked about the 15 best uh, the 15 uh, best and worst songs uh in MLP and when he got to the last one which was the number one best song in the, in the series from when from his perspective which is called uh, You're in my heart like a catchy song," he said. That he would not be surprised that there were uh there would he would not be surprised uh he was what I'm trying to say is he would not be surprised or he wasn't surprised that people would add that song to the wedding list or to the wedding playlist, not even knowing it may be not even knowing that it's from My Little Pony because it's that good. He even acknowledged that those that are You know, closet ponies, closet bronies, and pegasisters that were getting married and adding this song to the wedding playlist. uh, Playlist, you know, he acknowledged that the reason they were still, um, closet pony, closet bronies, and pegasisters is because even to this day if they go out and they tell their family and friends, mostly the family, yeah, I'm a fan of that show that's been on for 10 years, years, you know, I don't know if they kind of, um, kind of, um, I don't know if they kind of have, um, what's the one I'm looking, processed, that's the one I'm looking, processed, you know, how their family may react to that. Because again, you know, you look at, you look at the fact that you know. You look at the fact that people, st- there are still people out there that troll a lot of fans. You know, like myself, like Silver Quill, like Sega Sister, like Voice of Reason, you know, Thespio, and all of them. Lightning Blitz Keyframe—they troll us because they still don't get it to them it's just weird that people like me silver quill josh scorcher firebrand if you will you know lightning bliss keyframe golden fox you name it thespio. you know to them it's still kind of weird and creepy and not right for grown men and women to like a show meant originally for little girls but here's the thing Here's the thing the main thing that I believe attracted a lot of us to the show and kind of won us over over time wasn't just the characters uh, and the predicaments and the interactions they would have, they, or the predicaments they get themselves into in the an- interactions they would have with each other, but it was also the one thing that a lot of people look at today, and that is acceptance through diversity. Because one of the things they've touched upon in the series. Believe it or not, several times was how the pony, how was how all three pony races came together in harmony. And they played upon that, I think, in the first or second season with a hearts warming e, Eve slash Christmas carol or Christmas inspired play that they did. And then they touched upon it again in the final season, in the finale. And it's like, you know, when you look at that, you know, when you look at that, it's like, whoa, you know, they are really going there. I mean, heck, they even went there in season eight. Season eight had a character called Naysay come in, who was clearly, as they call or as they have a term for it, speciest towards species that were not ponies, especially with the idea that Twilight was putting this school together, the School of Friendship that wasn't just going to educate and house ponies of all kinds, but also other creatures. And when you look at that, you look at the first two episodes, the first two-parter of that season, and then you look at the finale as, as part of that, and you're like, dang, they're really going there with, a char- with this kind of a character. It, you know, It really surprised people. You know, it really surprised people when when they went there. And hello, everybody that's in the live chat right now. But like I said, it really, really surprised people that they went there. And there were a lot of other things that they did, too, that, again, there were like references and moments that would go over uh, the heads of young kids. They You know, they may find funny, but it will go over them. Like in the season, in the second part of the season seven finale, Shadow Play, um, when Pinky is mentioning what all the characters, what all the main six represent from from an element of harmony perspective, there's one moment where when she's talking about okay, laughter, you know, what is it, laughter. Uh, kindness, you know, honesty. And when she gets to honesty, what does she do? She she grabs Applejack's butt, puts her, jams her side of her face into Applejack's butt. And everybody that watched that episode, everybody that's talked about this moment, you know, from Bronies react to analysis of Bronies react, all were like, whoa, hey, whoa, how'd they get away with this? It really like, surprised them that that moment you know got through but again it shows you that season seven and even before that in other seasons they were the creative staff was starting to acknowledge okay our fan base is no longer just the young kids anymore it's also the the adults because even two seasons prior You had the 100th episode, which was slice of life, and it focused on the background or secondary characters, and it focused in a way that there was a lot of moments and references again that would go over the young kids' heads, but not over the adults. Like they had pony-characterized versions of the main three of the main trio of characters from The Big Lebowski, an R-rated film, if you will. You know, so. They had, so basically, over time, the creative staff would start noticing that the fans were more adult than they were kids. And that that just shows you the, the evolution uh, of a show that's come as far as it did. But again, you know, getting back to, you know, like I said, why people got into the show. And I think this was one of the things that won over the uh, the creative staff is they like the idea of the diversity of characters and the fact that it was touched upon several times in the series it was touched upon several times in the series and i mean you even have celebrities and athletes acknowledging the phenomenon that was friendship is magic and and that's and that's very surprising that's very surprising um if you will Um, you know, but for me, again, you know, if you would have told me back in 2010, and even back when I did that, uh, I'm not a brony uh, video back in 2012, that I was going to reverse course several years later, I would have not believed you myself. And if you would have told someone like Silver Quill or Dr. Wolf or, you know, Golden Fox that hey, you're going to be fans of a show originally meant for little girls. They wouldn't have believed you either, but lo and behold, here you are. You know, here you go. You know, it's just uh, one of those situations where, like I said, just because you think, you know, just because you think you're not going to enjoy something at first because of the fact that it's originally meant for you know a younger audience, doesn't mean you're not going to go and like it and. And basically, the rest is history when you think about it. <laughs> you know, the rest is history when you think about it, because here we are 10 years later, and people still enjoy uh, My Little Pony: Friendship is Magic. They really do. I mean, just recently, what was, that, four, was it? Four days ago, people celebrated the third anniversary of the movie, a movie that when the show first began, no one thought we were going to probably end up getting and yet, after the the show, I mean, after the fact that the show kind of cemented itself into being something that no one ever saw coming and becoming the phenomenon that it did, you know, that's when news got out that a movie was going to happen after all, but no one had any idea that the movie was going to warrant a PG rating. Now, of course, PG nowadays is just the newer equivalent of G, But still, PG, having a PG rating means it's going to be a little bit more edgier and a little bit more uh, mature at times um, than the regular show. So, you know, there you go. Now, like I said, as for me, you know, when it came to me becoming a fan, like I said earlier, it took me time. It's like over time, over the years, it started to kind of gain my interest even more. When I started to find out that there were more fans than me, there were more adult fans about my age that were into it, and I was thinking, what What is so appealing about it? So, I remember thinking, oh, they they had a Halloween episode, but then noticing that in the show they don't refer to the holidays like like we do. Instead of Halloween, they call it Nightmare Night. Instead of Heartwarming, instead of Christmas, they call it Heartswarming Eve. So it's like, and rental wrap-up. That's considered like um, Easter or New or New Year's Day or something. But again, but again, nobody. But again, for me, I had no idea that sooner or later I was going to become a big fan. But when I watched Lunar Eclipse. And I started seeing how other people reacted to it, mostly with the main character focused on, and that was Luna. I started to kind of get more invested. I started to get more interested in the show. Uh, To the point that when I started seeing grown people like me collecting things like Funko Pops and, you know, you know, plushes and figures, it's like it's like, okay, there has to be something to this. If even grown men like myself you know you know, even if grown men like myself are going out there and buying stuff that are MLP related. I mean, we got a guy that's older than me called Dusty Cat in the fandom who lives in the Bay Area, I believe. And he's a Luna fan. And when they were doing a reaction video to the finale of the series he was le- he was wearing a Luna pop shirt, yeah, Luna pops. a play on uh, pops, Kellogg, Kellogg's pops cereal. That's what they were playing. That that's basically what he was wearing. And it's like this guy's older than me, and yet, and yet he's he's wearing a Luna shirt, a Luna pops shirt, if you will. And he's known basically, if you watch the Bronies uh, documentary they did, known as the manliest Brony around. Because he also, besides being a fan of MLP, he works on motorcycles. He works on crafting guitars, makeshift guitars and stuff. And it's like, okay, if somebody, if guys like me, if guys that are older than me, if not around my age range, um, can enjoy My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, a show meant for little girls, maybe there's something to it. And I can remember, in fact, I have it, it's on DeviantArt because I have a copyright of the year that you upload something. I remember uh, basically, I remember basically several years ago, one of the first MLP merchandise that I got, was this. A mini Funko Pop of Luna. She was the first one I got. And then, of course, the mini version of Celestia came around, Came next. And the rest is history. But the reason I got her is because, like I said, I started noticing people were buying up this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. You know, I'm noticing that you have... Like I said, I'm noticing you you have grown adult men and even women buying this stuff. But now you're having a company like, let's say, Funko that only brings out collectibles, creates things out for collectible reasons. These, you know, for or basically create stuff for collectible reasons, not play at times, if not most times. And now they're working on bringing out pony stuff. To me, that was like, that started to... Speak volumes like, wait a minute, they're bringing out Funko pony figures like this, and these are meant to be displayed, not uh, played with. And it's like, again, again, I was starting to notice this and see these kind of things, and that's how it started to slowly win me over. It started to slowly win me over. Um, over time. Like I said, it started to slowly win me over over time. And as a matter of fact, let me see if it's still up here somewhere. Right there, um, right there, when my finger's pointing, that was my first rarity figure ever. And then I have a rarity plush that's in the closet, that multicolored, you know, stringy hair that they would sell—that was the first plush I got, and it just started to snowball, uh, you know, from there. And I started to get more invested, started to get more interested in it, and learning. And again, again, having a character like Luna, you know, get some focus at times throughout the series, it was like. I don't know what it was. I guess maybe it was also the fan art depiction of her. But Luna was like one of those characters that really resonated, resonated with me as some, as a character I can enjoy. I could like because even though she was uh, Celestia's sister, or younger sister, she was more relatable. She was like, ooh, I, I like this. There's something about this girl. There's something about this character that I just like. I, I can't. You know, I can't figure it out, but I think it's because she's dark and a little gothy at times. But and but she is relatable. The other thing that got me into being a fan as well as I started is the one thing that I've always talked about a lot. I've always supported was the Spike and Rarity relationship because when I started hearing and then noticing that Rarity um, had this uh, admirer in spike who was just gaga over her again that spoke volumes not just to me but to a lot of people because how many of us end up having a crush on essentially the girl or the guy next door and uh basically we we'll, to the point that well basically to the point that we're willing to do whatever it takes to be with them to spend time with them to get to know them better to hopefully be the one that's you know spends the rest of their lives with them, and to me that's and to me, that's what got me attracted to the relationship of Spike and Rarity because I could see that. I could see that essentially developing in the series. And I enjoyed and I and I got behind that. because again, well, not again, but because when you look at the show, besides background characters, you didn't really have any romance uh, occurring when it came to the main characters. You didn't. You didn't have no romance whatsoever. And this was the closest thing we got to that. This was the closest thing we got to that. Um, like I said, this was the closest we got to that um, as far as like the main cast goes and then from then on in we started to get better and then as the seasons went on we got better stories the the characters were developing more and i think what really got my attention a lot of other people's attention was the whole twilight becoming an alicorn deal it's like this just i don't know what it was but when this hit it kind of slightly made news it wasn't like a big big deal to it was like front page news or a first news story reported on the news at 10 or anything like that. But it was mentioned at the, it was mentioned and acknowledged that the fans were not thrilled with this. It was getting a mixed reaction. You know, you know, it was getting a, uh, it was getting a mixed reaction is what it was getting. Um, but yeah, you know, stuff like that, that really got me invested thinking, okay, so there's gotta be something about this overall. Uh, to the point that you have fans being outraged over a design change or a character evolving or developing, let's look into it even more so. And then, like I said, as the seasons went on, the show got better and the, and the stories in the show got better. That's when I became more invested and more invested to the point that I was like, you know what? You know, I, I started to question myself as well on D, Div- you know, with the articles on, with the essays or journals on D art and, videos here on youtube of asking am i becoming a brony and i should have known when i start asking myself and asking people out there hey am i becoming a brony because of this or that you know you know that's when you know that's when you um uh, what, what's the word i'm looking for that's when you know in a sense you're becoming a fan whether you want to admit it or not and like I said earlier, um, I ended up admitting admitting that I became a fan like several years, like four and a half years after I did that one video, and the rest is history. I mean, the, I mean the fact that I became a fan, you know, it shows you the the effect a show like this has. Because there's a lot of shows that when they first started, a lot of people would not be into, but over time it would win them over. And this is one of those shows that did the same to me and many others. I mean, those before me and those even after me got won over by this, won over by the fact that people were talking very highly about this. Like, you have to check this show out, you have to see it. And you know, the rest is history. And I think I knew I'd become a fan big in a big in a huge, in a big, huge way. When on opening day, I took the start bus, that's what they're called here, the start bus uh, bound for Turlock, known as 45E, 45 East. And I, took, and I got up early in the morning after my mom went to work, cleaned myself up, made, my, made sure my dog went to the restroom, then got something to eat, then got on that bus, if you will, got on that bus, and went to Torlock to go see the movie on the big screen on opening day. And you know what? I'm not the only one that went to go see it on opening day, or even the night before, because it basically made back—I I guess you could say—ten times, three to ten times its original budget. You know that it was made on, and that's saying something. That's that's saying something uh, when you when you do that. And that's saying something for a franchise and for a show, you know, based that was originally conceived in the eyes of many for just little girls. Just sell toys to little girls and primarily be aimed at little girls and little kids. And yes, there were various times that the creative staff, even through the show itself, tried to remind us that this was meant for little kids. You know, a good example of that was the season seven episode, Fame and Misfortune even though M.A. Larson had wrote the script and we saw exactly what he wrote, he had a different direction for it to go in, you know, from a character perspective and all that. But no, Hasbro's like uh, the creative staff behind the show, like I think it was Megan McCarthy at that time, along with some other people said, no, you know, the script's good, we're going to keep it, but we're going to go in a different direction than what you have planned. And the direction they went in was basically trying to Give the message at the end of, yeah, we appreciate you adults enjoying the show. But remember, it's for kids. And kids don't care about consistency to continuity. They don't care about, you know, this continuity of for this or continuity for that. All they care about is the characters they see on the screens and them pointing to the parents of, I want to get that toy. I want to get that toy. I want to get that toy. And this did not sit well with a lot of fans. I mean it got a mixed reaction and some thought it was good while others thought it was okay but but it basically done in a way that you know basically basically done in a way that well it just rubbed some people the wrong way even though some would agree that oh it's good or it's okay it just rubbed me the wrong way. you know Josh. Josh Scorcher, aka Firebrand. Uh, did a review on it fame and misfortune. And what um. on for a sec. Hello. Um No, Somebody parked past the mailbox and that's it. Um, I think it's a friend. No, it's it. I think it's family. That's all it is. No, it's not wrong. It's not that hard. No. That's everyone. Yeah. No, well, that's a great part. Sorry about that, guys. (laughs) My mom was just calling me, telling me she's on her way back from uh, taking care of something. But anyway, what was I? Oh, yeah. Like I said, some people were mixed about fame and misfortune, basically, because, like I said, even though some people thought it was good and some thought it was okay, they all kind of agreed that there were moments at times where it kind of rubbed them the wrong way. Um, As I was saying, Josh Scorcher, aka Firebrand, did a review on this where basically he just, in his opinion, pointed out the obvious, that... The main message that they were trying to send across was, "Hey, we appreciate you guys enjoying the show, but remember, it's for little kids, and little kids don't care about uh, continuity or consistency of continuity or this or that. All they care about is, oh, I want that pony, or I want that pony toy, I want that pony toy. And that's it. So, yeah, it's, you know, so yeah, it's one of those. Um, so yeah, basically." Um, you know, like I said, there are moments uh, in this show that you know Willie would get your attention and get get you invested in everything to maybe check it out, maybe for the first time. And like I said, when it came to the Alicorn situation with Twilight, that's what really got me go got me invested, got me interested. Like, okay, something has to be something's up here, something's going on here. So I decided to check it out. And of course, like I said, over time, I started to collect a lot of merchandise and figures and stuff that again if you would have told me about to if you would have told me back in 2010 I was going to become a fan of this show or if you would have told me back in 2012 when I did that video I was going to become a fan and a brony, I wouldn't have believed you. And again the same goes for a lot of people that I just mentioned. Because it took them like a few years into the show to become fans and then later become maybe bronies and start really um uh investing themselves into it i mean silver quill he got invested into the show but didn't really start doing more videos on it until about what was it four three years later like after the whole alicorn thing so i think yeah that's what it was when when twilight became an alicorn that's when he decided to start doing videos on it and giving his own opinion But again, you could tell that as the seasons, even during the mid, early, late, early to mid seasons and later seasons, like I said, you could tell that the fan that the creative staff was acknowledging the fan base was was that the fan base was not (laughs) basically the original target fan base that they thought they were going to have. And it was a fan base aimed more at adults. I mean, not aimed at adults, but comprised of adults, I should say. Even though they still tried to sell toys to kids, you know, still it was like the, the realization was there to the point that Hasbro started to realize, OK, we still got to sell some pony toys to kids, but we also need to satisfy these adult fans as well. How can we do that? And then that again, that's when Funko, like I said, came into play, not just with the mini pops, the mini Funko pops. But when they started to come into play with pop figures like this. And that's what really, to me, again, sent the message of this was a big thing. This had become such a big thing. You know, that this has become such a big phenomenon. I mean, Josh Gorcher even said that it became a phenomenon the moment the second season finale hit. And mostly the song in part two of the second season finale, the what was it? The Day Araya or something like that. And he said that as soon as this song hit in the second part of season two's finale, Cantalot Wedding, that's when everybody knew the show was going to be big. Like it was going to be huge. They just didn't know how big or huge it was going to be till later on. And like I said, you started seeing that be reflected, not just in the show, acknowledging that it becomes this massive phenomenon. And the main reason for that was the adult fans, but also the fact you started noticing that in, um, you know, in the merchandise that was being sold. Again, for example, we started seeing th- things like this, like this is the guardians of harmony figure of Celestia when you started seeing stuff like this come out, you're like, wait a minute, that, that's not a toy. <laughs> even though it's sold in the toy section, you know, and this one's of Nightmare Moon, a.k.a. Luna, it's like, you realize, wait a minute, that's not necessarily a toy, even though it's sold in the toy sections. You know, that's when you knew, hey, something something's going on here. Something <laughs> There's something about this show, about this franchise. That they're not letting on. And it, again, it just snowballed from there. It just continued to snowball and grow from there and there and there to the point that I ended up getting most of the seasons on DVD, officially, seasons one to seven, a couple of compilation discs or DVDs that were sold as well. And even to the point that, as I mentioned before, I would... DVR episodes on Saturday mornings, every time they came on newer episodes and then wait till I had the opportunity to record them onto DVD um, later on in the week, which I would do. And I had fun with that. Yeah. And uh, I just had somebody in the live chat saying the return of harmony is what introduced them to the show. Um, As well. But like I said, you start again, when you start seeing the impact that the adult fan base has on the show to the point that Hasbro is collaborating, not, you know, is collaborating with other people and other uh, licensees or whatever to bring out merchandise from clothing to from adult clothing to you know, to to collectible figures, like I said, the Guardians of Harmony sets and the Funko Pops, that's really showing you, that's really showing you how far the show has come, you know, as a pop culture phenomenon, even to the point that this here, if I can bring it up right here, this was my first big major purchase of MLP. This is a Target exclusive. You can see it right there. It says Target exclusive. But I got this off Amazon. Somebody bought it and sold it on Amazon for I think a little cheaper than Target. And I ended up getting it. And this is all the Power and this is all of the main six as Power Ponies. And the Power Ponies, even though that was a mixed episode, the reaction to that was mixed. Even though the reaction to that episode was oh sorry, almost fell there. Uh, But even though the reaction to that episode was mixed, you know, it was basically a love letter to comic books. And obviously Hasbro had to know what they were doing, or the creative staff, at least behind that episode, had to know what they were doing, because the Power Ponies have been parodied lots of times through Power Ranger-like intros, from regular Power Rangers, where you have one, I don't know who it is, but someone basically reworded the song a little bit to where instead of go, go power Rangers. Now they've reworded it. to says, go, go power ponies. But then the rest of the, the intros, but the rest of the other theme songs will remain the same. And one person that does it the best, I think it's called blaze winter uh, here on YouTube. They've done every power Ranger intro with the power ponies as the central point of it. Um, for Almost a couple of years now, but here's the other thing that you also know so yeah, that shows you the impact it has, but then you also look at sets like the Wonderbolt set and the Ma- my little Pony magic of every Pony set all exclusive to target, and you think to yourself Hasbro has never really doesn't really do it that much doesn't really do something that much unless it's a big deal unless unless the uh, franchise they're doing it for is it has become a big deal and in this case. My Little Pony became that big deal. But you also know it's a big deal. It's a big phenomenon when you have fans creating their own animations, either from flash animation to 2D animation to animation that's identical to almost Don Bluth or reminiscing of that to SFM slash CGI animation to creating their own uh, fan projected You know, series. You know, spin-off series like Fallout Equestria, a Star Trek, a Star Trek-inspired one. It's like that shows you how big the show has become, even to the point that the fans, the adult fans that got into it, have created their own animated OCs of themselves to do review, to utilize for reviews or collaborations on discussions, or in some cases. Projects like, let's say, TF two analysis, you know, stuff like that. Again, it again. These are just prime examples, folks, of uh, of people of the fan of the franchise becoming as big as it was. And and I'm I'm i going to tell you, you know, when when I when the finale came on, you know the reaction that I've seen a lot of people have to it towards it is genuine is it's so genuine that it's, it's hard to, it's hard to believe. And the music that goes along with it, the music that goes along with the show really has evolved itself as well to the point that when you get to the magic of friendship song, that's like shows you how far it's come. I mean, when you have shows like occurrence, when you have songs like occurrence tale, you know, flawless, you're in my head like a catchy song and magic of friendship, you know, you know, being those kind of songs that they are, you know, but basically being on the level in the day, uh, the day orry, if you will, uh, being, you know, performed the way they are. It shows you that it doesn't matter if this, if where they're coming from is a 22 minute to 30 minute show, uh, originally meant for young kids. That if done correctly, it could rival a, you know, to quote Josh Scorcher, aka Firebrand, it could rival a Disney project. And that's the truth. It could rival a Disney project. And that's no lie. That is not a lie, in, in my opinion. Um, but overall, though, folks, it's, it's hard to believe that it's been 10 years uh, since this began and how much it's grown as a franchise, with its characters and stuff, as well as how much it's grown when it comes to its fan base. Because, again, if you would have told any of these fans that went on to become, as they call it, horse-famous analysis and reviewers, that they were going to be fans of this show when it started, they wouldn't have believed you, but yet here they are. Here they are. They become huge fans and and kind of internet celebrities in their own right. And again, if you would have told them that back when the show began, they wouldn't have believed you. So, you know, yeah, it's like, it's hard to believe, but yeah, it's hard to believe in 10 years, all of this has happened. And, you know, when I look at the show, you know, it's the kind of show that when you look at television today, there's not many good shows on there that you could sit down and watch. But in my case, when it comes to Friendship is Magic, it's one of those shows. It really is. And it's one of those rare shows that's reached over two hundred twenty something episodes. So that's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. That's, 200, that's around 220 plus episodes. Hard to believe that it's, gotten, it's reached that accomplishment. But overall, I can't say any more than what I have. I mean, I know I've ran- sounded like I rambled a little bit, got a little distracted because I was uh, tagging, you know, linking this <laughs> live stream up on Twitter and Facebook. Um, but yeah, it's uh, again, it's hard to believe that, you know, the show, you know, the franchise has been around for this long. I mean, even though animation wise the show is over, the season, the show itself, the continuity from the show itself continues to this day with season 10 in the IDW comic interpretation. hey, the, the fandom is, I mean, the show is still so big to the point that we now finally got the crossover fans had actually been waiting for between Transformers and My Little Pony. So what more can you say? But uh, anyway, though, guys, I'm going to wrap this up because, of course, my mom's coming home and I don't want any kind of <laughs> interruption, if you will doing a live stream. So uh, thank you all for watching. I really appreciate it. Again, I know I sound like I rambled a little bit because maybe I got a little bit distracted. And I was trying to think about what I was going to say. And I was also linking up this live stream through various social media. But yeah, it's hard to believe. It's been 10 years. And here's to hopefully another 10 down the line. Okay, And I can't say any more than, than thank you to the creative staff, that to Lauren Faust Nicole Dubuque, Megan McCarthy, Haber, Miller, to the actresses involved here with the show, bringing the characters to life. I can't say any more than thank you for, for doing that. And, and thank you to the fellow reviewers out there, like Lightning Bliss, Keyframe, Silver Quill, you know, Fiora, you know, Dr. Wolf, Firebrand, you know, thank you all for helping a fan like me get into the into the show and into the fandom. You know, even when I think it wouldn't have happened because you know how that is from personal experience that when somebody says, "Oh, you're going to be a fan of something," and you say, "Oh no, I won't be," and all of a sudden you are. So, thank you for helping me get into the show and giving a, by giving the reviews that you do and and the analysis and discussions that you do. It's really appreciated. So in closing, guys, all I want to say is happy 10th anniversary to my little pony, Friendship is Magic. And here's to another 10 down the line. And let's hope G5, whenever it happens, helps carry on the legacy that Friendship is Magic gave us for 10 years and continues to do so to this day. So till then, guys, God bless. Take care. Have a good night. And I am out. Peace out. Stay safe.